and we're in Daniel chapter number 9 tonight. Daniel chapter number 9, we've been going through this series on rightly dividing the Word of God to cut it straight is what the Bible talks about there. And uh, we've, we've covered a lot of territory. I mean, we, we've gone uh, from one extreme to the other. We've talked about Bible doctrine. We've talked about uh, various aspects, inspiration and, and uh, 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 preservation and illumination and revelation. And we've, we've gone through uh, the dispensations and we've covered uh, the seven churches, the, the, the golden candlesticks and the church ages and things like that. And I've had a lot of folks that have said to me, Man, Pastor, I just wish you'd slow down, and boy, I'm having a hard time drinking all this stuff in. Well, that, you're right where I want you to be. It, the whole idea is to get you uh, into the Word of God and get you studying. And uh, I had somebody ask me the other day, hey, Pastor, what does this mean? And I said, well, have you studied it out? And they looked at me and said, well, I just wanted you to give me the answer. <laughs> and I said, I said, that's the whole idea. It, it, watch this. I could give you the answer. But do you know where I go to get the answer? The Bible. And watch this. When you dig and you study, it's going to mean a whole lot more to you than if I give you the answer. Because I'm going to tell you something. When God, by His Holy Spirit, gives you the answer, it is awesome. You're just like, wow. And uh, this portion tonight in Daniel chapter number 9. Now, the book of Daniel, you know, when I think of two books that I, and I think of how they're put together, the book of, Revela or book of Romans that we're studying on Sunday night, what a great book. I've been looking forward to that study for, for quite a while. God finally gave me the green light, and we, we just we barely even got one foot in the water on, on Sunday nights. And, uh, and I love the way the book of Romans is put together, how the first eight chapters are so doctrinal, and then you've got a couple chapters that deal with the nation of Israel, and then you've got the practical side at the end of the book of Romans, and, and we're going to cover all of that. And then I think of the book of Daniel in the Old Testament, how the book of Daniel has 12 chapters, and there's a lot of history at the beginning of the book of, of Daniel. And then, and then all of a sudden, you get past those stories that maybe some of you, unlike me when I was a kid, I, I never grew up hearing about Daniel in the lion's den. I wasn't in church. I mean, I went to the Catholic church. They, they didn't have a children's church and Bible classes and things like that. I didn't hear anything about Daniel and the lion's den. First time I, heard, time I heard that, I was in my 20s. I was like, seriously? They threw this guy in with lions and they didn't eat him? You know, I was like, wow, that's awesome. And, and, and then I heard about these three Hebrew boys that they threw in a furnace. And they were walking around and they came out and they didn't even smell. Their clothes didn't burn up. They didn't, their hair wasn't singed, you know. And I thought, man, that's awesome too right there. You know, but when you get beyond those first six chapters or so in the book of Daniel, you get into some interesting things like we're going to look at tonight. And, and, it's, and this is a great study. I told my wife, I said, man, I had another great day today. And she looked at me and I said, I, I started studying about Daniel's 70th week prophecy. And I said, I, I just didn't know where to pull over and stop, you know. And so I told Brother Flynn, I said, this is going to be one of those, uh, unlike what I've done with the other couple things, I'm not going to cram all of this into one Wednesday night, all right. So all of you can go, you know, because I'm, I'm not going to do that tonight. But I want you to take a look at a couple of verses. We're going to use this as a launching pad tonight. Daniel chapter 9, beginning in verse number 24, we'll read down to the end of the chapter, all right. Daniel chapter 9, verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people 
and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression and to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation for iniquity and to bring in everlasting righteousness and to seal up the vision and prophecy and to anoint the most holy. Did you notice all the ands there? All right. We're going to talk about that if we get that far tonight. Now let's read on. He says, Know therefore and understand that from the, from the going forth of the commandment to restore and to rebuild what? Jerusalem unto the what? Messiah, the prince, shall be how many weeks? Seven. And three score and two weeks. Anybody know how long that is? What's a score? Does anybody know what a score is? 20, and three score is 60, so it says three score and two, so what is it? 62, okay. He says the street shall be built again, and the wall, even in troublous times, and after three score and two weeks, shall Messiah be cut off, but not for himself. And the people of the prince that shall come shall destroy the city and the sanctuary. And the end thereof shall be with a flood, and unto the end of the war desolations are determined. And he shall, what's it say? Confirm the covenant with many for how long? One week. And in the midst of the week. He shall cause the sacrifice and the oblation to cease. And for the overspreading of abominations, he shall make it desolate even until the consummation. And that determined shall be poured upon the desolate. Can you say, wow? (laughs) There is a lot of stuff right there, folks. I'm going to tell you right now. And when you look at what we just read and what we're going to look at tonight, maybe the next couple Wednesday nights, is this. That this prophecy, this great prophecy that we're going to look at, it actually comprehends the total history of Israel from the time of Nehemiah in 445 B.C. until the second coming of Jesus Christ. That's a lot of history. That's a lot of things going on. This is oftentimes, this prophecy of Daniel has oftentimes been referred to as the backbone of prophecy. Now, some may differ with that. Maybe it's not. Maybe it is. But I'll tell you this, that clearly when you look at Daniel's prophecy in chapter 9, we can see the program that God has determined for his people. God has a program. So tonight, notice that his program begins with Daniel's prayer. Now look at chapter 9 again, if if your Bible's open there. Look at verse number 1, what the Bible says, to give us a little historical context. In the first year of who? Darius, okay, the son of Ahasuerus, of the seed of, of of the Medes, which was made king over the realm of the Chaldeans. So the Bible records here that this this time frame that Daniel was in, it was during the reign of Darius the king. And so notice during this time, here's what happens is, 
is that Daniel, letter A here, he makes a request. Daniel's request is one that, now Daniel, to give you a little bit of a background here, like the, the, the Hebrew children of the day, Daniel being one of them, Daniel as a teenager was deported. Uh, he was taken into captivity. It was, he was a teenager. And as Daniel is praying in Daniel chapter number nine, notice that Daniel is, he, he is praying because this is the near the end of what is known as the Babylonian captivity. And Daniel is making this request to God. And how does he come upon this? Well, according to the Bible, Daniel was reading a portion of the book that we know as the book of Jeremiah. And as Daniel was reading, isn't that good that Daniel was reading his Bible, right? And so he's reading a portion of Jeremiah, and as he's reading it, he begins to understand that the 70th week, or the 70 years of the captivity, where they were serving, they were in bondage, that that 70 years was about to end. This is towards the end of that, and as he's thinking about this, he begins to pray for his people. It's no different than Paul, how Paul's prayer in the, in the book of Romans and other places in the Bible, that, that Paul's prayer is that all Israel would be saved. Paul, Paul had a burden for his people. Uh, some of you are from different places, different countries, and you have a burden. You pray for your people. Uh, Nazarel, she's, she's been down in Nicaragua. She has, a, she has a burden for her people there in Nicaragua. And listen, understandably, tonight, Daniel was no different than many others that Daniel had a desire to, to see his people be delivered, to see them go back to their homeland. And so Daniel begins to pray. Now look at verse number two of Daniel chapter number nine. It says, in the first year of his reign, I, Daniel, understood, now look at these words. He says, I understood by the books the number of the what? Of the years. So Daniel says, I understood by the books. I'm reading Jeremiah and I understand the number of the years whereof the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah the prophet that he would accomplish how many years? So watch this. Before Daniel, before they went into captivity, Jeremiah wrote by inspiration, we talked about that, right? God revealed it to him, he wrote it down, and he wrote that Israel was going to go into captivity for how many years? 70. Now, years later, Daniel's reading Jeremiah's writings, and Daniel's reading here that they were going to be there for 70 years. Notice, in the desolations of Jerusalem, the city would be destroyed. So Daniel's reading this, and because of Israel's apostasy, now hopefully you understand the word, basically uh, God had always designed and desired for Israel to be his people, that he would be their God. But one of the biggest problems with Israel, like many even in America and in this world today is, is that we are, we are materialistic and we, we have idolatry in our lives, and that's what happened to Israel, is they were following after uh, things other than God. And because they apostatized, they were heading away from God. Daniel's reading here, and it's because of that apostasy that Jeremiah the prophet actually foretold that the Jews would be delivered as captives to those in Babylon. And when you think about it, we're reading it tonight, Undoubtedly, it was proven to be true that they did go into captivity. By the way, 
every promise of God has been true. Not one promise of God has ever fallen to the ground. So here again, we see the validity and the truth of God's word because Daniel's reading about this. Look what Jeremiah writes in Jeremiah 25, verse 12 there in your notes. And it shall come to pass when 70 years are accomplished. You get the wording there? When the 70 years are, are over, okay? He says, he says, then will I punish the king of Babylon. And look at these words. Not only is he going to punish the king of Babylon, but he's going to punish that nation, saith the Lord, for their iniquity. What nation do you think he's talking about? Yeah, he's talking about Babylon. You know, but, but also, he's, he's, he, his judgment has come upon uh, Israel too. He says, the land of the Chaldeans will I make a perpetual desolation. So here you have the beginning of Daniel's prophecy, okay? And here we are in chapter number nine, but at the beginning of the chapter... What do we see? We see Daniel going to God, praying for his people. All right, you with me so far? So Daniel prays. Now, when you pray, what do you expect? You expect an answer, right? So notice, secondly, Daniel prays his request and then his answer. Now, drop down in, in uh, this chapter, chapter number nine, look down at verse number 21. All right, somebody want to read verse 21 through 23. Read that out loud. Who's got it? Anybody? Robert? 21 to 23, chapter 9. So here, here you see Daniel's praying, all right? And Daniel's praying. You ever, you ever prayed and you really didn't know what to pray for? Or you really didn't know how to pray? Uh, you, really, you, you, you understand a situation, how bleak it is? And, and really the only thing you could do is just say, Lord, help. You know, God, do something about this. And so here he is. He's making his request. That's what the Bible tells us. Let your request be made known unto God, right? So Daniel is praying to God. He's praying for his people. He makes his request, and so what does God do? God sends a messenger, and the messenger here is the angel Gabriel. Gabriel comes to Daniel while he's praying, and he interrupts him. And as he interrupts Daniel while he's praying, guess what he does? He gives Daniel, what we're going to study, is a fourfold prophecy. He hands him this prophecy in verse number 24 of what we're going to look at Verse 24 gives the scope of the entire prophecy. When you look at that one verse, okay, and we'll look at that, that verse in detail, but verse 24 gives the scope of the entire prophecy. Verse number 25, when you look at it, is actually the 69 weeks. Now, how many weeks is Daniel's prophecy? 70. So verse 25 covers the 69 weeks. When you look at verse 26, verse 26 is the interval period between the 69th and the 70th week. And then verse 27 is the 70th week. So it's an amazing four verses. It's a huge prophecy. Remember I told you that they refer to this 
as the backbone of prophecy because there is so much here and we're going we're gonna to start it tonight and we'll see how far we get. But I want you to look again at what Robert read there because in verse number 21, he says here, or verse 22, he informed me, the angel did. He talked with me. The Bible says, I am come forth to give thee skill and understanding. He says to him in the, in the last part of verse 23, therefore understand the matter and consider the vision. In other words, the angel Gabriel was sent to Daniel, the messenger of God. He comes to Daniel not only to give him the answer, but to give him understanding. Now, what do you and I have today to give us understanding? The Word of God and the Holy Spirit of God. So sometimes people say to me, you know, Pastor, look, I was reading this in my Bible. I really don't get this. You know, again, there's nothing wrong with commentaries. There's nothing wrong with, you know, going to someone else. But have we, have we really looked into the Word of God ourselves? And have we really asked God by His Spirit to help me to understand what I'm reading? And, and a lot of times we think to ourselves, I'm not going to get this. Well, again, you have to believe that God by His Holy Spirit can help you understand. How many of you believe that? that look, remember what Jesus said? He's going to guide you into how much truth all truth. That includes the book of Daniel. That includes the book of Revelation. That includes parts of the book of Ezekiel. I mean, there, there are some hard passages to understand in the Bible, but guess what? God by his Holy Spirit. You know, I always get tickled, Brother Flynn, whenever I, you come to certain passages in the Bible, even some of the most, uh, the most educated theologians of the day, when you get to those certain portions, and, and there's quite a few of them, where, where you know, nobody's really clear because the Bible isn't really clear, and that's where you step away from truth and you start getting to conjecture and opinion and all these types of things. And, and here's what happens with all these big theologians of the day. They get silent. They don't know what to say. <laughs> and I think to myself, well, they finally got smart because they just shut up. <laughs> because a lot of times we don't know. Now, folks, I'll tell you this. We can take great comfort in that which we do know. And the Holy Spirit and, and this angel, this messenger of God, was trying to help Daniel to understand what he was sharing with Daniel. How many of you are glad that God helps you to understand things along the way? All right. So as we think about it, we start here with Daniel's prayer. Daniel, look, he's in captivity as a teenager. He's in a foreign country. His homeland is, is desolate. Uh, God has, has dealt with his people because of their apostasy. And so he makes a request. And as a result of that, God sends a messenger and gives Daniel this prophecy. Now look at number two in your notes tonight. Let's look at the determined program. All right. Now remember, God does every, God's a God of order. Okay. And so we see here that God has a plan, God has a program. How many of you think, and, and again, this is, this is a little bit off from what we're talking about with this prophecy of Daniel, how many of you think God has a program for the lost today? What is it? Yeah, we're to go into all the world with the gospel, right? See, God always has a plan. God's had a plan all along. What we need to do is understand what God's plan is, and then we just need to, to, to understand it like Daniel needed to understand it. So tonight, look at this determined program. And again, I want you to look at verse number 24 as we get into this. He says here in verse 24, 70 weeks are determined upon thy people and upon thy holy city to finish the transgression, 
to make an end of sins, to make reconciliation for iniquity, and to bring in everlasting righteousness, and to seal up the vision and prophecy, and to anoint the most holy. All right, so thinking about that, let's, let's break it down in three things here, all right? The first one is, let's talk about time proportion. Time proportion. At the beginning of the verse, here's what he says. Seventy weeks are determined. How many weeks? Seventy. Now, we've got to understand Bible terminology. Okay, so the word weeks there is the very first thing that we need to pay attention to because when you look at this word, it literally means sevens. That's what it means. When you look at this word, it means seven. It's used by God as a unit of measurement. Now, for some of us, we're like, what, huh? If you go to get some donuts, how do you buy them? By the dozen. That's a unit of measurement. How many's in a dozen? Twelve. And I, I personally like a baker's dozen. If I'm going to go get donuts, I might as well get that 13th one, right? You know, If you stand there and look sad at the counter, they might give you one more just for being a good boy, you know? But here's the thing is, is that when you look at this time measurement, all right, weeks literally means sevens. It's a collection. Gabriel is, is trying to help Daniel understand that this is a, a collection of sevens. Gabriel mentions that there are 70 of them. Now, don't lose me. There's 70 sevens. You with me? Okay, that's what he's saying here. There's 77. Now, here's where it gets good. And I told you, uh, I, hope you I hope you get what I got today, all right? Now, watch this. The law of Moses. You know, they, the Pharisees, they wanted to make so much of the law of Moses, all right? In the Old Testament, they lived by the law of Moses, and it actually became their, their, their way of life. You had to do this. You had to keep this. Hey, listen, I, I love the law of God. You know, God gave us his word. We need to understand and know the word of God. But in the law of Moses, God commanded the Israelites that they were to acknowledge every seventh year. That's what God told them. It was supposed to be a sabbatical year that in that seventh year, they were to let the land rest. How many of you have heard that before? So watch this. They worked their land for six years. The seventh year, they weren't supposed to work the land. It was the land was supposed to rest. How many of you say, boy, I wish my job was like that. <laughs> Work six years, seventh year off. What a, what a wonderful thing, you know? But it doesn't work that way, does it? But th they were instructed to do that. Now, if you've read your Bible and you've paid attention to how Israel was, they were instructed by God, they were supposed to acknowledge that seventh year. Now look in your notes here in Leviticus 25. I gave you these verses. Here's what God says. Speak unto the children of Israel and say unto them, when you come into the land which I give you. So whose land was it? It was God's land. God gave it to them, right? They didn't do anything for it. They came into the land, and the Bible says, Then shall the land keep a Sabbath unto the Lord. Six years thou shalt sow thy field, six years thou shalt prune thy vineyard, gather in the fruit thereof. But in the seventh year shall be a Sabbath of what? Rest unto the land. A Sabbath... For the Lord, thou shalt neither sow thy field nor prune thy vineyard, thou, uh, thou, uh, that, that which groweth of its own accord of the harvest 
Thou shalt not reap, because some, some things are going to come up on their own, neither gather the grapes of thy uh, vine undressed, for it is a year of rest unto the land. And the Sabbath of the land shall be meat for you, for thee, and for thy servant, and for thy maid, and for thy hired servants, and for thy stranger that sojourneth with thee, and for thy cattle, and for the beasts that are in thy land, shall all the increase thereof be meat. Now, here's our thought is, well, look, I, I can't go a whole year. I mean, I've, I've got to grow. It, look, that's why you need to be wise. You, you need to be a good steward of what you have. Uh, some of you probably like me. I've worked jobs where you have good years and you have lean years. All right? That, remember what happened with Joseph when he was in Egypt, right? And, and, and understand that God says, look, you just need to understand if you're my people and I'm going to give you the land, then what you need to do is you need to follow my instructions. My instructions is you can work the land for six years, but that seventh year is mine. That land is mine. If something comes up on the vine, something comes up in the field, don't touch it. He says, this is what I want you to do. See, over the centuries, here's what happened. Israel, just like many Christians today, Israel ignored God's uh, restriction, his regulation on that seventh year of the land. They did not let the land rest. So look at the, the verse I gave you, Leviticus 26, verse 32. God says, I will bring the land into desolation. How many of you know the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away, right? So God says, look, you can do what you want, but guess what? See, how foolish are you? Remember, if, if we don't tithe, we don't give God what is his, the Bible, Bible says, wherein have you robbed God? I don't, look, I don't threaten people. I just tell them, that, look, either you're going to tithe or God's going to take your tithe, one way or the other. You might as well learn to live a blessed life. So here's what God says. If you're not going to let the land rest, he says, I'm going to bring the land into desolation, and your enemies which dwell therein shall be astonished at it. In other words, your enemies are going to look at it and go, boy, that, that's a mess. He says, and I will scatter you among the heathen. And will draw out a sword after you, and your land shall be desolate, and your cities waste. Then shall the land enjoy your Sabbath. In other words, God says, then, because you didn't, I'm going to make the land rest. That's what he says. Well, let's read on. Here's what he says. He says, even then shall the land rest and enjoy her Sabbath. As long as it lieth desolate, it shall rest, because it did not rest in your Sabbath when you dwelt upon it. God says, you didn't listen to me, you didn't honor me, you didn't keep the Sabbath with the land, and so guess what? I'm going to destroy it, now it's going to rest. Everybody with me so far? Okay. Say, I thought we were talking about Daniel's prophecy. We are. We're getting there. Okay. Now watch this. The judgment of God, that's what he's talking about, that's what he's describing. The judgment warning of God if the Sabbath of the land were not kept. Look here in your notes, 2 Chronicles 36, 20. And then... It says, and them that had escaped from the sword carried he to where? Babylon. Where they were what? Servants. So, so watch this. Because of their apostasy, because they wouldn't listen, because they didn't do what God asked them to do, guess what happened? God, just like the book of Romans chapter 1, God gave them up. So here they are. Now they're in a strange land. They're servants. They're just like Joseph in his, in his day. They're servants in Egypt's land. So here they are, they're servants. Now let's read on, 2 Chronicles 36. It says, to him and his sons until the reign of the kingdom of Persia. Now watch these words. To fulfill, this is why they were there. This is why they were in captivity. This is why they were servants. 
to fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of who? Jeremiah. Until the land had enjoyed her, is that singular or plural? Now watch, this is going to get really good. How long were they in captivity? 70 years. You know what that means? God was getting back taxes. God says, all those years you didn't honor me. I kept record. I know how many years you didn't arrest my land. I know how many years you robbed from me. And so I'm going to leave you in Babylon until the land rests for all those years that you never let it rest. Right? That's what he's saying right here. Look on. He says, as long as she uh, lay desolate, she keep Sabbath to fulfill how many years? Three score and ten. Now, how many years is that? That's 70 years. So it's an amazing thing because if each of the 70 captivity years represented a violation, and they did, they, they represented the violation of the seventh year, that sabbatical year to rest the land, then Israel had neglected God's order for them for how many years? There you go, 490 years. She's a good mathematician. That's how long they had neglected God's order. And for 490 years worth of Sabbaths, they were in captivity. They had violated that much. The captivity era, watch this, it looked back over five centuries. Think about that. Five centuries, this, this, this looked back to the sinful neglect of God's people. And when Daniel gets this prophecy from the angel Gabriel, guess what his prophecy does? It actually looks forward 490 years. See, they had neglected for 490 years. The angel gives Daniel the prophecy, and he tries to help him understand it, and he looks forward from this prophecy 490 years. When we look at this, it, it, it's an amazing thing because the fact of that Israel's captivity is about over here, okay? And Gabriel comes, a sent to Daniel, and he gives him these sets of sevens, and they related to Israel. Now, this is, this is key right here, okay? Because here's what it says again in verse 24. Seventy weeks are what? Say it again. Are what? Determined. Now, the word determined, I don't know if it's in your notes or not, it means what? to cut off or divide off, okay? So it says the seven, 70 uh, years were cut off or divided off. Now, it's clearly 70 sets of seven. In the beginning of this, there's, God gave a mark that determined the beginning of this for Israel to go back into Jerusalem. Now, we see this in our Bible. Wish I had time to do this, but, but listen, here's what you, when he says, go back to Jerusalem and rebuild the walls. Who's that sound like? There you go, Nehemiah. Because remember, Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the king. And he, like Daniel, had a burden for his people. And, and, and the king saw him and he, he, says, he says to him, Nehemiah, why is your countenance fallen? Why, why do you look like that? You know, Nehemiah says, he says, well, listen, I, I've heard from some of my, my, my kinsfolk about the condition of the city of Jerusalem. The walls are broken down. Does this sound familiar to you? And it's, it's chapter one, the book of Nehemiah. 
And so the, it's an amazing thing in the book of Nehemiah that this king allows Nehemiah, gives him passage, gives him access, gives him provisions, and he goes back and he rebuilds the walls and the streets of the city of Jerusalem. Now look, we understand walls are important, especially back in that day. But see, that, that building, when that decree went forth about 445 B.C., that's when the 70 weeks of Daniel actually kicked off this prophecy that we're looking at tonight. It was the decree that was made. It would take, here's, a, here's an interesting thought. It would, from the time of the decree, okay, think about this, 445 B.C., from the time of that decree, it would take, now remember, there are sevens. The prophecy was there are 70 of them. So 70 times 7 is what? 490, right? So it would take how many of those weeks of the 70th week prophecy of Daniel before the Messiah showed up? 69 of them. How long is the prophecy? 70. How long until the Messiah showed up? 69. How much is left? One week. 70th week. So when you think about this, it's, it's an amazing thing because the Messiah shows up. It was evidence that the 490, they were not days and they were not weeks, they were years. It's 400 and, 490 years after the decree. So when you look at this, and the, the angel Gabriel is trying to help him understand the time, the time was determined, all right? There was 70 weeks was determined. But then notice letter B, there's two participants when you look at this prophecy. And here's what it says. Uh, look again in, in verse 24. 70 weeks are determined. Look at the next statement. Upon thy what? You guys looking at verse 24. Daniel 9, 24. It says here, 70 weeks are determined upon thy what? No, no, upon thy people and upon thy holy city. So here's the two participants that he's talking about. The first one is the people. And the people is who? It's Israel. So notice here that he's talking about one of the participants, and I love how he says here, upon thy people. Well, when he's using the word thy, he's, Gabriel's referring to the person to whom he's speaking to. Who is Gabriel talking to? He's talking to Daniel. He says, these are your people, Daniel, thy people. That's who he's talking to. See, this prophecy, here's a great thought tonight. This prophecy we're looking at in Daniel 9 it, it has nothing to do directly with the church. Nothing. See, there's a lot of people that want to mesh the Word of God, but remember, we're trying to rightly divide the Word of God. When you look at this prophecy, it has nothing to do directly with the church because the church, according to the Bible, is a mystery. And that mystery, known as the church, was not revealed to Daniel in the Old Testament. God didn't share with Daniel what the church would be. The church, therefore, has nothing to do with the 70th week. Let me say that again. The church has nothing to do with the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. Okay? So when we look at this tonight, here's what we see is the prophecy related directly to Israel. And it helps us to understand what the purpose of the time known as the time of tribulation is. 
And as we look at that, why the church will not be a part of it. We just talked about that as we went through those different churches. Remember how we went through the churches that were there in the book of Revelation chapter 2 and chapter 3? What was the last church mentioned? The church of Laodicea. Remember? And how we talked about when you look in Revelation 3, at the end of Revelation 3, the Bible says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will hear my voice and open the door, I'll come in with him, sup with him and he with me. You with me? And, and so remember what happens in chapter number four of Revelation, the Bible says there was a, a door open in heaven. Remember how I told you that there's no evidence from Revelation four all the way to Revelation 19. There's no mention of the church. Why? Because that's the time known as the time of tribulation. The church is not going to be here. That's why the Bible says, wherefore comfort one another with these words. See, we're not going to, why would God make his people go through that that time of tribulation, the Bible mentions. Now, there's a lot of people that are off in their eschatology, and they want to put Christians in that. Listen, God would never make his, his children go through something like that. But I will tell you this, that that time period is the 70th week of Daniel's prophecy. In other words, God is going to pick up the program that he started with Daniel's prophecy that deals with the nation of Israel, that's not just 69 weeks, it's 70 weeks. But see, right now, you remember I showed you how that the current age we're living in, it is a parenthesis. That's Romans 9, 10, and 11. That's where God has a program for Israel in the past, Israel in the present, Israel in the future. So when you look at this tonight and you see this, he's, he's talking here about this, this is a program for his people, the nation of Israel. But notice the second participant is the place. Anybody know where thy holy city might be? Jerusalem. Hey, listen, I'm going to tell you, all eyes are on that city. They always have been and they always will be. It's a hot spot. Everybody wants that little piece of property. And as many of us saw when we went over to the Holy Land, I'm going to tell you, there's a lot of different countries that have tried to go in there and have tried to make something out of it, but nobody has the green thumb like the nation of Israel does. They can turn a desert into an oasis. It's amazing uh, some of the stuff that they're doing there. And he says here that, that the participants would not only be the nation of Israel, would be upon thy holy city. And notice, you say, where do you get that from? Well, you remember in the book of Daniel, how that they were after Daniel, they wanted to find fault with Daniel, that they were looking for any loophole in Daniel's life. And Daniel was a unique individual. But one thing that they knew about Daniel, and, and would to God everybody knew this about us. Look what the Bible says in Daniel 6.10. When Daniel knew that the writing was signed, he went into his house and his windows being what? Open. In his chamber towards where? Jerusalem. He kneeled upon his knees. How many times a day? Three times a day. So three times a day. Daniel went, he opened up his windows, he prayed towards Jerusalem. Why? Because it was God's holy city. And so he prays there time and time again. In other words, this prophecy in Daniel 9 is a very specific and it's a very narrow prophecy concerning Israel alone. It doesn't include the church. It is a, it is a time determined by God for the people of Israel and for the city of Jerusalem. So notice we have, as we look at this, we have a time proportion. Seventy weeks are determined. We have two participants. We have the, the, the people of God, the nation of Israel, and we have the city of Jerusalem. 
But then notice the third thing we see about this determined program is the twofold purpose, the twofold purpose of God's program. Now, I'm going to go through this kind of quickly because it's all laid out right here in verse 24. Go back to verse number 24, and there's two purposes that God gives for this prophecy. All right, Notice the first one is that God gives this prophecy to rid Israel of sin. To rid Israel of sin. Now, when did God do this? Now, understand, God has a purpose. And so here's his first purpose is they've apostatized. They've gone away from him. So God, aren't you glad that God loves us that much that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us? So here, God says, I know my people. I know that they haven't listened to me. I know they haven't kept my, my, my commandments and, and, and let the land rest and all these other things that they've done. So what does God do? Well, God has a purpose. And the first one is that he was going to send his son, Jesus. This is the first coming of Jesus Christ. We celebrate that on what day? Hello, December 25th is what? Christmas, right? All right. So, so here, Jesus comes. He's born of a virgin. Why did Jesus come? Well, Daniel said it back in Daniel 9. Here it is, three reasons. Number one, to finish the transgression. The first reason they came was to finish the transgression. The word transgression here means defiance, the revolt of the nation of Israel. They, they were a rebellious people. And so when you think about finishing the transgression, this sums up what Israel's actions were and the way that they were practicing things. Uh, look in, look in uh, chapter number 9, look at verse number 11. Somebody want to read 9-11 there? Daniel 9-11. Anybody? Yeah, we've sinned against him, the transgression, the stepping over the line. So, so look, Jesus came to rid Israel of sin. And notice here, the first purpose, to finish the transgression. But right there, if we follow the verse, verse 24, notice the second thing is, he came to make an end of sins. See, the first time Jesus came, and by the way, he did come. See, that's what Israel's still struggling with, the Jew. They don't believe the Messiah's come. But notice when he did come, according to the word of God, what did Jesus do? He conquered death and hell. See, Jesus came and he paid the price for our sins. By the way, for our sins and for all of Israel's sins. And so the Bible tells us he, he came to make an end of sins. Somebody read verse 19, Daniel 9, 9 15. 15. We've done wickedly. So again, God says, I'm going to make an end of it. And then the third reason that, he, that Jesus came the first time was to make reconciliation for iniquity. And notice the word reconciliation. What does it mean? Well, if, look, it's, it's a covering. It's an atonement. God would provide an adequate covering for not only our sins, but for Israel's sin through the, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. So the first purpose of the program of God is that God sent his son and Jesus came to finish the transgression, to make an end of sins and to make reconciliation of iniquity. That's the first purpose. But look at the second one. Okay, The second purpose 
in this, in this uh, uh, God program of God is to bring in the king. Now, the Bible uses here the word prince. It's synonymous with a king. When is this going to happen? At Christ's second coming. You see, the Lord's going to come back, and, and he's, go, he's going to rule and reign. And so notice the purpose of bringing in the king is, first of all, if you, if you go back to verse 24, look at the end of it. He says the first thing to bring the king is to bring in everlasting, what? Righteousness. So Psalm 96, 13, before the Lord, for he cometh, for he cometh to judge the earth. He shall judge the world with what? With righteousness. Isaiah eleven five, and the righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and the faithfulness the girdle girdle of his reins. Jeremiah said in Jeremiah twenty three, in his days Judah shall be saved, and Israel shall dwell safely, and this is his name whereby he shall be called the Lord of righteousness. And notice when Jesus comes back a second time, he's going to come back according to Daniel's prophecy to bring in everlasting righteousness. But notice the next thing he's going to do. He's going to seal up the vision in the prophecy. Seal up the vision in the prophecy. Now, when he says here, seal up, it's the same as making an end of it. In other words, fulfilling everything that God said. At the end of the 70 weeks, okay, here's what's going to happen is all the visions and all the prophecies are going to be fulfilled regarding God's program with Israel. When that 70th week ends, he's going to seal up or he's going to bring the vision to a conclusion. That started when Daniel received this from the angel Gabriel. And then notice the third thing is the Bible says to anoint the most holy. Now, this is awesome because this is talking about the ultimate coronation. This is when, when we see the seed of David is actually going to sit upon the throne of David. And this is going to happen at the second coming of Jesus Christ. So there's a twofold purpose behind this program of God, and that is to rid Israel of the sin in their lives. That happened at the first coming of Jesus Christ. But then notice also it will be to bring in the king, and that will happen at the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, we're going to continue with this the next time we're together, but I want to leave you with this tonight because when you look at this prophecy, and it's an amazing prophecy, the prophecy of the 70 weeks, it is very complex. Uh, if you, you're like me right now, you're thinking, wow, I didn't, I, I, there's a lot of stuff I didn't know about. And I, the more I study it, the more times I go to it, it's very detailed. But here's one thing that is certain, is that God has a timetable. And that his, God is keeping his timetable. God knows exactly what the schedule is. He knows the end from the beginning. Put that verse up there, Brother Cordy, because I don't think I gave you this note, verse in your notes, but Isaiah 46.10, look at this. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, the things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will do all my pleasure. God says, everything I've told you through Daniel, and what Daniel saw from Jeremiah, he said every last bit of it, down to every detail, is going to take place. When I look at this prophecy, uh, it's clear that the prophecy foretells the coming of the Messiah. And it gives the details of his work, but it also reveals the disastrous consequences that come as a result of rejecting the Son of God. Now, go to that last slide there. This is, this is a layout of what I started tonight 
and I'm going to continue because if you look at this, it actually lays out the 70 weeks and it begins, if you notice here on, on your right, my left, it says seven weeks. Now, remember, they're sevens, right? So seven times seven is what? 49. Now, all the way over to the edge of the thing, notice BC 4 to 45. What happened in BC 40 45? The decree to do what? To build the wall, right? So that was the beginning. That was the mark, the beginning of the prophecy of Daniel's 70th week, all right? So it, it says there, the rebuilding of Jerusalem. So notice that was seven weeks. So you have 49 weeks. Now there's a total of how many weeks in Daniel's entire prophecy? How many? Okay, 70. So you have seven. Now notice then from there, you have 62 weeks. Remember, we read that earlier today, tonight, the, the, the three score and two, right? So if you have seven plus, what's three score and two again? 62. So seven and 62 equals what? 69. So notice, you see the cross in the middle? That's where Jesus came. Remember, the, the, the Lord came, and that's what Daniel refers to as the cutting off of the Messiah. That's when Jesus gave his life so that we can have eternal life. So notice there, we're in this present dispensation, known as the church age or whatever you want to refer to it right now, okay? And that's where we are right now. But watch this, the, the 70 weeks of Daniel right now, they're suspended. Right now, we're not, we're not living during the, the prophecy of Daniel because we're in this church age. So the 69 weeks have all come and gone. There's only one week left. When does that last week begin? At the rapture. When the Lord comes back for the saved, the Bible says the dead in Christ shall rise first, and then we which are alive and remain, when he comes back, we're going to be caught up together with him in the air. So that's not the second coming of Christ, because the Lord's not coming back to the earth. We're going to meet him in the air. That's called the rapture, the snatching away in, in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye, right? So we're going to be with the Lord. Well, when, when the, all the saved are taken out, that begins the last week of Daniel's prophecy. And that one week is how many years? Seven years. And it's known as what? The time of tribulation. Do you get it? So that time of tribulation, if you look at it, notice there's a line in the middle of it. Everybody see it? So it's divided into a three-and-a-half-year and a three-and-a-half-year three period. Daniel talks about, and the New Testament even mentions, Daniel called it the abomination of desolation. One of the things, that if you remember reading in the Old Testament, God gave to the nation of Israel certain animals that were clean and certain animals that were unclean. And that one of the animals that most of you, if you know Jews, they don't eat what? They don't eat pork, right? So here's the thing is, is that the, there's going to be a, a desecration of a pig in the temple that's going to break the, the peace treaty of the Antichrist during that time. Of, so the first three and a half years, it's going to be some smooth-tongued uh, politician that's going to be a world leader, and many people believe that that person may be even alive today. I don't know. But here's the thing is, everybody's going to believe that person. And you think about the media today, how they pull everybody in. The media does. 
And so everybody's going to buy into this. And at three and a half years into it, he's going to break that peace agreement and he's going, the abomination of desolation is going to happen. And then from there, the, the last three and a half years is known as the Great Tribulation. And that's where you get into the book of Revelation and you see the wrath of God, the bowls and the vials, and all those things are going to be poured out on this earth. All right? Brother Flynn? Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. Well, and he's, and, and just like he used in the Bible, that's the Bible word, Antichrist. The devil's a counterfeiter. See, he's, he is not real about anything. He's, he's a false everything. He, he, he cannot come up with anything original. And see, he knows that the Lord is what everybody is going to bow down to someday. There was great meaning to that when Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem. And, and, and what's neat is, when you, when, if, you, if you remember, in the gospel records, Jesus was crucified, and of course he was buried, and then he rose again. And according to the Bible, Jesus spent 40 days on this earth before he ascended back to be with the Father. If you go to Acts 1, they're standing there. Jesus starts to ascend, and there was an angel there that said, "'Ye men of Galilee, why stand ye gazing up into heaven? This same Jesus.'" which was taken up from you, shall so come again in like manner as you have seen him go into heaven. And Jesus ascended from the Mount of Olives. And Zechariah 9.9, that's where Jesus is going to come back and put his foot down on the Mount of Olives. He's going to come back to that same place. And I'm going to tell you something, it's going to happen. Brother Robert and I, we were standing in the Holy Land, and we were right there at the Lion's Gate. And we, were, we had just walked up the hill to the Lion's Gate, heading towards the pool of Bethesda, and I, I stopped Brother Robert, and I said, Robert, look down there. And Robert, Robert looked down, and he kind of looked down, and we looked down there, and I said, you know what that is down there? And he goes, oh. It was the, it was the eastern gate. It was right, remember that, Miss Martha? It was right down there. Where, and I was like, boy, this is getting good. This is getting exciting. So, folks, listen, this ought to excite us, but it ought to, it ought to get us into the Word to understand. Now, again, you say, Pastor, why, you, why is all this? Because it's not even about the church. No, but we need to understand God's program because God's program is very detailed and we need to understand it to help people to understand that time is short. I mean, the Lord's coming back. Nowhere in the Bible does it say how long the age of the church is. No, and that's why I said no man knows the day nor the hour. So we have no idea how long the Lord's going to give us. That's why we need to make the most out of every day God gives to us. Redeem the time for the days are evil. 
Yeah, I hope not. So, hey, listen, if you're interested in that, I made a copy, and uh, you can take one with you. All right, Brother Greg, you maybe you want to pass those get back there at the, at the door. See, I'll, I'll, uh, let's have a word of prayer, and a, a couple of you had a question, and I'll hang around here if you've got a question, all right? Let's pray. Lord, thank you again for this evening. Thank you for the Word of God and for just the richness of this prophecy that we looked at tonight. Lord, bless. Help us to understand the Word of God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.